0: Tonight's reading is from the book of John, chapter 1, verses 35 to 51, and that's on page 1064 of your Pew Bibles. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning round, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about the tenth hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know, Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. He then added, I tell you the truth. You shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. Amen.
1: Well, thank you very much indeed, uh, Moira, and thank you to uh, Jenny and Paul for leading us so wonderfully in our prayers tonight. Now, these Sunday evenings, we're going to begin a new series called Essentials in Discipleship. And the title comes from a programme which the uh, Presbyterian Church have produced to link with the special assembly that took place. Uh, in cold rain during August, Karen and Susan and Sam and myself were there. And uh, a number of videos have been produced featuring various participants throughout the church. So the question really is, what is a disciple? And uh, we're going to uh, tease that out a little bit. Tonight and over the next number of Sunday evenings, this side of Christmas, we're going to think about... Uh, 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 Words beginning with the letter C, the call to follow Jesus, community, culture, courage, cost, challenge, continue. Uh, And tonight the simple invitation is to come. So this is the first part of our teaching for this evening, and we're going to watch this DVD that lasts for 14 minutes. Okay. That's a very profound thought, isn't it? We were far from heaven, so Jesus came to bring heaven down. Isn't that amazing? It's just so fresh and uh, very helpful. Thank you. Well, already uh, we've been thinking about uh, this big question for tonight what is a disciple? And uh, we've had this uh, uh, thought that uh, a disciple is someone who loves and follows Jesus, a disciple is an apprentice. Uh, Someone who gets to know a person uh, who learns from and seeks to become like her or his master. Uh, So if you happen to have uh, the Bible handy and you can turn uh, to John chapter 1, we'll be making reference to that passage uh, which uh, Moira read to us a wee bit earlier on. But shall we just pray and commit our time into God's keeping? Heavenly Father, Jesus bids us come to him. Those who come to me, I will never, ever turn away. And it is our prayer that in these few remaining moments that we have together, that encouraged from your word, we may be encouraged to love and follow Jesus. And so be emboldened in our discipleship. And we pray for his sake. Amen. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, uh, we here took up the offer uh, of the Eastside Advertiser to pay for an advertisement for Bloomfield Presbyterian Church. Did any of you see it? Now, that is interesting, actually. The majority of people here actually saw that advertisement, which is is interesting. Uh, We had this photograph and 250 words reaching quite a wide variety of readers. Now, I think that was probably a good thing uh, to do. Good, why? Uh, to fill the church with people who've never been in Bloomfield before. Well, if that was our aim, I think we would be disappointed. But to make ourselves known through the newspaper is to inform, to let people know that we exist, to give them a little bit of an insight as to what we do, what goes on here. That's a worthwhile thing. But you and I know that it's not advertisements that bring people into church. It's other people. And articles that uh, I've just mentioned, uh, they have the capacity to inform, but not to redirect lives. So think about this passage from John chapter 1. It's a very familiar uh, passage. Uh, We read the bit about John the Baptist preparing the way for Jesus and uh, how it was that God had communicated. Well, that's a little bit later in the chapter, in chapter 1. But if you were to glance at John chapter 1, verse 1, you would see a very clear parallel with Genesis chapter 1. You know in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And here in John's gospel, in the beginning was the word. So there's a very clear parallel, what John the evangelist wants to tell us about about God. So, John fills out the message that uh, the Word who was with God in the beginning was God. We were thinking about that this morning, and that Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, and uh, John the Baptist says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So God has communicated to us. We were far from heaven, so heaven came down to earth. God has communicated with us, not by a text message, not with a Snapchat, not through Facebook, not through a newspaper article. God has made himself known in a person. Because while articles have the capacity to inform, it's only following a person that can redirect and change lives. Now, here's just a wee aside, Um, but uh, you know that Genesis 1 takes us through the seven days of creation. Well, what does John now do in chapter 1 of his gospel? He takes us through the seven days of recreation. What Adam the apex of God's creation was supposed to do, but failed to do in the Garden of Eden. Jesus, the Word became flesh, now does. But of course, he does it at the cost of his own blood. Behold, the Lamb of God. So, for example, you remember in Genesis chapter 1, on the third day, God created vegetation, seed bearing plants and trees on the land. That bears fruit with seed in it. So, what does Jesus do in John chapter 2, verse 1? On the third day, the third day, yes, that is the third day of Jesus' public ministry, Jesus turned water into wine. So, he does a miracle of recreation with fruit that has seed in it. Okay, that's just a wee aside, a teaser. For you to explore in your own time. But here in chapter 1 of John's gospel, we're introduced to somebody who has become our friend over the last number of Sunday mornings, John the baptizer. And we see in chapter 1 verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light. So you remember in Genesis chapter 1, even as God said, let there be light, So John comes as a witness to the true light that enlightens hearts and minds. John was a witness to the light, or as it says in chapter 1, verse 23, he was a voice calling in the desert, make straight ways for the Lord. And as we know, John isn't the key person. A bridesmaid doesn't outshine the bride. A best man doesn't take the limelight off the groom. No, the best man's job is to focus the spotlight on the key person, the central character, he must increase, I must decrease. And so John the Baptist points to Jesus. And John highlights the key thing that he knows about Jesus. It's not about me, he says in verse 29, it's about him. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I wonder, could we be people like that? People who point people to Jesus and to tell them why he is so important. He's the only one who can take away sin. This week I received through the post this wee book. It's called Count It All Joy. And it's a book that Dr. Helen Roosevelt wrote before she died. And it's just been printed. What a legacy to have something as significant as this published, even after already gone to be with the Lord. But on page 12 of this wee book, this is what she says. I remembered the night that I first heard the wonderful gospel. And that was at a Christian Union uh, event at Cambridge University. I remember the night I first heard the wonderful gospel that Jesus, God's own son, had died for me on the cross, taking my punishment, my failures, my sinfulness, and paying the full price demanded by holy God that I might be forgiven and restored and adopted into his family. Here's the point. John the Baptist did two very simple things. He pointed to Jesus. He anti-indicated why Jesus is so significant. He's the only one who can take away sin. That's the key thing about Jesus. The only one in the entire universe all time, all space, all time, Jesus is the one who alone can reverse what Adam lost. What took place in Eden was supposed to be good, but it was lost. Jesus is the one who restores. He is the recreator. And so in verse 37 now, two of the disciples of John heard him say, look, here is the Lamb of God. So what did two of John's disciples do? They follow Jesus. Now, why did two of John's disciples follow Jesus? Was it not because they were so convinced of the authenticity of John that they were prepared to do what John said? And so, turning around in verse 38, Jesus saw these two disciples of John. We know one of their names which was Andrew, uh, and we know that the other was another of John the Baptist's disciples. And Jesus said, what is it you want? And they said, Rabbi, where are you staying? And Jesus said, come. Come and you'll see. So they went with Jesus, and they saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. And they responded to his invitation to, his come and, to come, and John the Apostle says it was about the 10th hour. Now, why do you think the author includes that information? It was 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Well, I think quite simply he was saying, on this specific day, on this day of recreation, that's when I met Jesus. And do you know something? It was 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I remember it. You may or may not have uh, a date and a time in your head when you first met Jesus, when you were born again, when you were converted, when you were made anew. For me, I haven't a notion when that was. I think it must have been sometime when I was in my mother's lap. But for the person who wrote this, it would seem to me that that was none other than John the Apostle. That moment was so significant, he remembers it right down to the very last detail of when it was in the day. I first met Jesus on that specific day at four o'clock in the afternoon. Now, for those of us who have known Jesus for a very long time, it's hugely important that we never, ever forget the impact, impact Jesus first had on us because there are other people he now wants us to point people to him because he's the only one who can take away sins and for other people that encounter can be as significant and as important as it was for us okay now we're nearly finished Glance down at verse 40, if you will. And there we see that Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and followed Jesus. And the first thing Andrew did, as we saw in the video, was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we've found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And Andrew brought Simon to Jesus. Isn't that good? Having met Jesus... The very first thing Andrew did was find his brother. We have found the Christ, and he brought him to Christ. Sometimes our home environments can be the most difficult, but they are actually our greatest opportunity as well. Come and meet somebody I've met, said Andrew. And I wonder if you notice, he doesn't preach at Simon. He simply brings them. Is there anybody at home we, we don't actually know how to speak to about the Lord, but we could say, come with me. Come with me next Sunday morning to the Harvest Thanksgiving service uh, in Bloomfield. Come with me. Could that be a way of introducing your family member to Jesus? Last week, Faye asked me to produce a few Invitations specifically to give to some of the girls in guides who have no active church membership. And so when I was doing that on the computer, I printed off a few more and I've actually left them at the welcome desk. And feel free to take one with you if you think that would be a helpful thing, just to be able to say to somebody, will you come with me to this next Sunday morning? It's an old age family service. It would be very accessible. Last between 11 o'clock and 12 o'clock on Sunday morning, would you come with me? Could you do that? Is that something that might be laid in your heart? And Jesus looked at the one that Andrew brought, his brother, and Jesus said, you are Simon, son of John, but you're going to be called Cephas. You're going to be called Peter. So on meeting Andrew's brother, Jesus sees Simon and immediately knows what he will become. Is that not wonderful? As far as the human eye is concerned, Simon was a fisherman. That was it. But for Jesus, he was someone with unbelievable potential. He was going to be a rock upon which the church would be built. He was going to be the backbone of this new creation. He had come to inaugurate. It was so beautiful. I heard a story recently about a person who contemptuously pushed past a drunkard. And that person looked up at him and said, I wish you could have seen what I could have been. Simon said, Andrew, come and meet somebody I've met. And when Simon met Jesus, Jesus saw in him what he could become. And that was the start of recreation that took place not only in Cephas' life, but in the life of the worldwide church. And if that's only something that happens on one of the days... Do you see how that recreation continues? Verse 43. As the week continues, the next day, Jesus decides to leave for Galilee. And there he finds Philip and he says to him, Follow me. Sometimes people go looking for Jesus and sometimes Jesus goes looking for people. We see both here. If Simon Peter could say, I found Jesus. Philip could genuinely say, I was found by Jesus. And having been found, Philip in turn, verse 45, found Nathanael. And Philip said to Nathanael, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law. That's Genesis through to Deuteronomy, about whom the prophet also wrote Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathanael said, Nazareth, can any good thing come from there? And Philip said... Come and see. Did you know that 85% of those who come to Christ come through a friend? Now, at this stage, Philip didn't know all the answers when he spoke to Nathaniel. Philip didn't have the ability to argue either about geography or theology. Philip wasn't able to argue, argue Bible arguments, but he was able to say to Nathaniel, come and see. And when he brought him to Jesus, Jesus was able to read him like a book. So that's where discipleship begins. Even for the most unlikely people, imaginable. If we're able to say, come, come with me to church, come with me to the Harvest Thanksgiving service, come with me to merge, come with me to, to see you at university. Even the most unlikely people imaginable may also be transformed. Even the most unlikely individuals can be transformed by meeting Jesus or by being met by Jesus. Now we can't do that. We can't do that by ourselves. It's only the power of the Holy Spirit who can do that. But perhaps we can do this one thing, to be a witness, to be a voice, to point people to Jesus and to say, come, come with me so that you can meet the one I've met, the Lamb of God, the only one who can take away sin. Shall we pray? What is a disciple? A disciple is someone who loves and follows Jesus. And it starts with the invitation to come. Maybe there's somebody here tonight and uh, you've been brought. You've been found by Jesus. And so the invitation is to come. Come to him right now. It's a miracle that you're here. Absolute miracle. But God, by his Holy Spirit, is doing something in your heart. Respond. He says, come. Come as you are. See what Jesus can do in and through you forgive your sins to take away all that is wrong all that isn't right to transform you to make you new to make you into a disciple come maybe heavenly father you want us to be people who point to Jesus and are able to say to another come, come with me Come and learn what I've learned. Come and meet the person I know. Oh dear God, how how might that happen in in my life, in our lives this coming week? Um, We can't bring that about, but you can. So dear Lord, may it begin in a most remarkable way, ways that we cannot even imagine this coming week and the places you guide us to go. Hear our prayer, for it's offered in the name of Jesus.
2: Amen. And just as we pray, uh, I'd just like to share with you that um, during this week, I just felt the Holy Spirit put two words in my heart. And one of them is the first word that, that you heard tonight, Um, by Rick Hill, used by Rick Hill, by Frank as well, and it's Encounter. And I thought, what is the difference between a meeting and an encounter? An encounter is simply a meeting that leaves a deep and lasting impression. And that's how Jesus meets us. And the second word is epiphany. An epiphany is a kind of religious word but it simply means a moment of revelation that changes everything forever. Lord, I thank you for our encounters with you, the living, risen Lord. I thank you, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts for those moments, epiphanies, when the glory of the Lord Jesus was revealed to us as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And, Lord, I thank you that our experience has been of joy, peace, hope, mercy, love, freedom. Through your grace, through your amazing grace, and through the power of your Holy Spirit, you call us, Lord, to serve you and we respond with warm and open hearts and open hands through your name Amen